McNulty stunning for to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to PA Forecast episode 194. Well, not much has happened since we last spoke, but we're still here to bring you all the things that's happening in the world of Pompey. Join the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? Hello, buddy. Yeah, I love the intro there. You basically said, there's nothing to say, but we're going to say it anyway for the next, I'll give it 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> lovely to be here. As always, you are looking well. How's How's life? Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, I got had a bit of a drunken accident where I've unfortunately smashed my ankle. It swelled up like a balloon. And somehow, I don't even remember how, uh, managed to cut my arm, which has now got infected. So I'm now on antibiotics. And I've switched places with you because I know you've managed to stop the painkillers and now I'm back on them. Yeah, I'm off the opi- uh, opioids. I've got my six-week post-surgery follow-up tomorrow at hospital. Sort of six hours in hospital being poked and prodded in my first physio needs assessment so yeah i can relearn to actually move my arm which is really exciting that's a positive vibes to start the podcast with i'm paralyzed on one side of my body but you know we crack on you may be paralyzed on one side of your body but were you pissed enough the night before that you didn't realize your arm was bleeding until you were walking to work the next day which is exactly what happened to me i can't say i was no uh so i've i've been story topped I've got nothing. I've got nothing, Hugh. Congrats. You good game you played well. Take that, Australia. <laughs> Freddie Webb, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm not so bad, Hugh. Yeah, my my weekend wasn't as eventful as yours. I think it's very hard to get that pissed at Havens against Truro, but never mind. But no, enjoyed enjoyed a cider in the sun while watching Haven't play dreadfully, which was a shame. And then the only other thing is at the time of recording, it was my two year anniversary at work. Yay. I think that's the only other interesting things that happen to be honest very different uh definitions of the word interesting there freddie but congratulations aren't you currently on strike isn't that how you're celebrating your two-year uh no i will be striking so yeah you uh, people in Portsmouth will see me at the guild hall on september the 18th uh, if they want to say hello and talk to me about why i'm striking and why well, as long as they don't um, are striking so as long as they don't cross the picket line freddie see you there with your big billboards and your placards and your marching. At least your step count will be up if you just march around the building. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, that's the entire point. Get the exercise in. Get something in. To Is it next working week? Uh, there are three strike days. It will be on September the 18th, September the 22nd, and the 25th. And we're also doing action short of a strike from September 19th. Isn't it absolutely hosing down with rain most of next week? So enjoy your outdoors strike. You should have done it last week. It's been it's been beautiful here for about what two months. And I was away. It looked last year, and now it's beautiful again. And 
you're going on strike the week the heavens open. Great decision. Well, there, there we are. But it has it has to be done to pay us properly and improve some other uh, other things, which which people can chat to me about on Monday if they've got nothing better to do with their lives. This was a uh, political party broadcast by the. <laughs> uh, that's not a name. Whoever well, I say, someone will complain. So it was well, just the NUJ, a, the National Union of Journalists. So I was going to go with the Chinese Communist Party, but oh, either brilliant. or. <laughs> Why not? I love that. We're just trying to get our SEO up by doing that, Andy. Just dropping the <laughs> Communist Party. It always works down well for everybody, right in life. Absolutely. All right. Let's just get on to talk about where we're going to talk about today. So. As I said earlier, there was no game to review. So what we're going to do is I put a question out to you guys and I said, hit us with some questions. This is your time to put a question in when there's no question to ask. So thank you to everyone who did message in. There are some interesting questions and we will get to those. Freddie's also done his usual stuff and we've got some stuff in the news to round up. We've got talk about John Messino, talk about the wing wingers, what's going to happen there and some various other bits and bobs. And then we are going to, as always, preview the game on Saturday against Derby. Right. Just before I get into the listener question, I'm a bit jealous because I'm not going to Derby. It's quite lucky I didn't buy a ticket because I now can't really walk properly. So I've sort of saved myself one there, but just putting it out there since you are both going to the Derby game that I'm actually incredibly jealous about it. Should we start with the questions, boys, which people sent us in? Yeah, crack on. I'm happy yeah. with whatever order. So to, to, like, there's nothing, there's no like structure to this week, so we can do whatever, whenever. Dave Laura messes in. He said, "Is everyone was fit and available, he wants to know your starting eleven for home games versus teams playing a low block, and your starting eleven for away games versus top six contenders." Freddie, I want you to start this one off, please, mate. Can I jump in super quick? Would it make sense for us to do this by position rather than one of us does eleven, one of us does eleven, one of us does eleven? Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's make it rapido. So not like the American footballer. But yeah, let's go for it. So by position, are you saying effectively from the level of what defenders first and how he plays a back line? Yeah, start with keeper and move forward. I think we're all going to say Norris plays no matter what. Should we just should yeah. we just clap that and move on? Or or, or have you got this your new Schofield jersey you want to I was going to recall I was going to recall on away me just for the just just be different and contrary. Uh no, we'll go Norris, I suppose. All right, we all agree with that one. I think the interesting partnership at the back of, of Shaughnessy and Paul, unless anyone's got anything to say about changing that, depending on the opposition, I'm going to say, let's just stick with the, the back two. No, I like that sense half pairing. Um, it's got a perfect balance of progressing the play if we do have some possession, but also being very defensively solid. I think I'd only put Sean Brackett into that pairing if we're against a team with a very much a target man centre forward, which... Well, in this case, Derby, I don't think have. So I think I'd rather just go with the better. Oh, yeah. Are we, first. are we doing the low block 11 or are we? Low block first, mate. Okay. Well, I guess it doesn't it doesn't make too much difference to me for centre-backs. Um, yeah, I'll agree with you. I think a few months ago probably could have convinced me to to have Riley Towler in there. But um, as, as things have gone this season, I'd go with what you suggested there. So left and right back, let's get to the more interesting bit here. So we'll do both teams effectively. I would like to know if we want to change your right back. Now, both Rafferty and Swanson have been pretty good going forward. There is a bit of school of thought in sense that you could switch out and play Swanson against a low block. But obviously, Rafferty's got a lot of assists this season. So, Fred, are we looking at 
as a as a proud member of the Zach Swanson fan club, shout out Jack Hancock. Would you like to change him and put him in instead of Joe Rafferty? Uh, I, f- I think I'd use Rafferty for both. Personally, he's the all round better player, and that's not saying that Swanson's bad by any manner of means. I prefer Rafferty on both sides. Deeper crossing, which. If a, if a centre half can if a centre forward can run into the penalty area and get on the end of the ball, that'll be very good. Also links up very well with the wingers, can get forward and run all the way to the byline, which is very nice. I, I stick Rafferty for both personally. Mitch Moore, you agree? Um, I'm going to disagree just so we don't sit here naming the same eleven as each other. Uh, yeah, I think. Purely due to recency bias and seeing Zach Swanson have a, what I thought was a, a pretty good game after the first 15, 20 minutes, which weren't really his fault tactically. But from that point on, he had quite a good game, I thought, against Peterborough, who came and played a very open attacking style that resulted in a slightly strange game to watch, to be honest with you. But um, so for the, for the, the teams where you're getting an open attacking game, I'm actually going to put Swanson in there. I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I think either can do a job, and I think Fred's has got very good logic to it. Um, but I'm going to put Swanson in there just to sort of put the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit or amongst the swans. And here's where I'm thinking it could get a little bit spicy at left back. So against a low block, I would be tempted to either play Sparks there or, or since Swanson can play the ball with two feet, could he play at left-back against another team on the other side? I think my order of preference in a, t- in a match where we know we're going to dominate possession and we're up against the low block would probably be, if he can face the thought of it, in a very low-pressure game when we're 15 points clear towards the end of the season, give Swanson a go at left-back so it doesn't matter if it goes completely tits up. I don't even know if he likes playing there, to be honest with you. I know he can, but I don't know if it's a preference. I think I'd have Sparks over Ogilvy, yeah. Yeah. Purely for attacking prowess. And Ogilvy's not really converted the chances he's been in the positions to take this year. So I go, yeah, Sparks second option and then Ogilvy third option. But against teams that are more likely to cause us issues, then I think you have to go with the solidity that Ogilvy pr- provides for me. Agreed. Fredster, you're in agreement? Yeah, absolutely, Andy. Hit the nail on the head there. I like Ogilvy's defensive work. Andy fits in this back four incredibly well against tougher opposition, but against teams who are going to concede loads loads of possession and are going to basically give Portsmouth all the time in the world, then Sparks overlapping with the winger is the way to go, isn't it? Having said that, has Sparks really set the world alight in the opportunities he's had in the cup competitions that Freddie refuses to acknowledge and where we're playing against teams that maybe we would expect to beat I didn't watch them, so I don't know. <laughs> so I he haven't. He got really... a system one of those games and looked reasonable going forward. He had, from okay. what I gathered, but okay. I, think, well, I think you just go through stylistic points at that point. You... Sure. So I'm going to say I should have said this at the start, as organised as ever. But assuming we're playing a four-two-three-one or some sort of modified with three central midfielders, you know, I'm assuming we're playing a cam as per the last game. Let's have a think about this, and in in the centre of midfield. When we're playing against a low block, are you still keen boys on playing the pack morel combination? Or do you think we could mix it up a little bit? I know there's a question later on. There is maybe some feelings you could drop Robertson into that role and play them there? I would say that playing Robertson there is potentially wasting him a little bit, putting him deeper. 
I would play Pack and Morel again. Recency bias is a thing, and obviously Morel isn't an option for the imminent future. But the the parts of the last game where Morel were most effective, like I said on the pod last week, were those second balls into the box where Peterborough had 11 men behind the ball. And whether you're playing an attacking top six team or whether you're playing a bottom of the league, 11 men behind the ball, there's no reason that tactic isn't going to work because there were 11 men behind the ball. So I'm putting Morel in for that reason alone. And I think Pack is probably the one where you could make more of an argument either way, but I potentially, well, in this moment particularly, I think I would, I'd have him in there alongside. And yeah, I think potentially having Robertson that little bit deeper is not utilising him as optimally as we could for me. Freddie, do you agree? Uh, say if you disagree. And if not, I want you to name the the front three we're playing behind Bishop. Ooh, um, I think in the uh, with the midfield two first, because it's going to be a bit different since I know who I'm playing Cam for this one. Against top six opposition, back of Burrell, solid, very balanced, can create a lot of things and play a lot of people in. Against low block teams, I think you play Pat because he's the captain and he's the more defensive player ahead of Burrell. So you can leave Pack at the back and then allow other players to go forward a little bit. I really like the idea of Robertson playing alongside him against the low block team. And that's because I'd play Sadie at Cam because Sadie can cause a lot of problems physically. He's very, he's very good at pressing defenders, which I really like. And he's positionally aware as well when going forward. So he's always moving it in the right place and he's got a good pass on him. So that's the free I'd play against a low block team. And I'd probably play Sadie and Cam. I think that's his position now to lose, I think. I think that's where you'd potentially, you could fit Robertson in defensively is if you're putting Sadie at Cam and you want Robertson's attacking threat on the pitch. Um, I think for me, Sadie would start Cam at the moment. Again, recency bias is a thing. Recency bias is this week's visceral, by the way. I have a phrase that I just trope out eight times in an episode and then it changes. This week we've got recency bias. But yeah, I think I'd rather have Sadie start and then Robertson potentially coming on as an impact sub to run at tied defences later on. I think that's my preference with it. You could add, add Andrew in, in that mix as well and Devlin as the sub to bring on because both of them are quite similar in that way. Yeah, I mean, I've obviously not seen Andrew in play and I've barely seen Devlin play, so I, don't, I probably shouldn't put them in my first choice 11s at this point. I'm very happy to to revisit this in December when hopefully we've seen a successful few months for them both. But yeah, at the moment, I'll stick to what I know. Left and right wingers then. Let's have a think about this. I feel like Kamara's done enough to start now on the left wing. I, I think we're all in agreement on that now. So I'm going to go over to the right wing and I want to know, Freddie, because I did ask you if you're front three. You told me the centre players, but I want to know who you want to play on the right now. If he's fit, is it Gavin White? I was going to say, you're also assuming that Freddie's not putting Denver Hume on the left. No, I'm not putting Denver Hume on the left. Are you not? You surprised no, me. No, I'm not. I, I, I think, as you said, Kamara's, Kamara deserves a start. Played incredibly well. Very creative player from what we can gather. Brave and got a turn of pace. So play him on the left wing. And on the right wing, even though I'm not as negative on Gavin White as others, I think he's played better than some suggest he, but on the other hand, he still hasn't been 
that good and that creative. I think that his underlying numbers look okay, actually, I may say. I think the last time I looked at his expected assists, which was on the extra podcast last week. Last night, three in the morning. No, not last night, three in the morning. <laughs> I was thankfully asleep. I'm not that bad. Um, I think he had 0.88 expected assists. I'll double check that off, off mic. But his underlying numbers are okay. But he hasn't impressed me still. Paddy Lane has in the few games. Oh, it's a tough one. You know, I'm gonna. I would pick Gavin White because I think his underlying numbers are all right. And that's even though in certain circumstances, I don't think he's played particularly well. Some of his crossing has been reasonable. The link-up play, at least, has been very good. So I would go with the experienced senior player and hope it turns around a little bit. I'm back in Paddy. I'm going to go Paddy Lane. But if he's fit, that is, which is one of his big issues at the moment. But then again, everyone seems to be injured, don't they? So I want to go Paddy Lane. I think he's the more exciting option, if fit. Him and Kamara, both bearing down on people with our overlapping fullbacks on both sides. Against a low block, though, Andy looks like he's poised to talk. So I'm going to fire over to you, mate. Not particularly. I was just wondering what you were up to at three o'clock in the morning last night. We know what Freddie was up to. I don't know about you. Um, the texts were interesting. Thank you for those. Um, anywho, to stick to the, the question at hand, yeah, I'd go with, I think I'd put, I put Lane, I think it's done enough for me. That's the short answer. Yeah. In fact, that's the long answer as well. No point wasting time. I'm going to put Lane out there on the right. I've just double checked Gavin Wise advanced numbers. Is he, how long is he out injured for, by the way? Cause he limped off against Posh. I haven't seen it, I don't think, because it's like a hamstring one, wasn't it? Because he was pulled out of Northern Ireland squad, wasn't he? Replaced by Lane. Yes, he I was, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen anything come up saying how long he's out for. I'm thinking if we're, if we're including injured players, then it's a little bit different. So I'm not including him in my thought process really anyway. I'm thinking about imminent games coming up, because otherwise you're trying to fit in players like Yangi as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a point. Yeah. Are, we, are we including Yangi? I was just going with fit players. I wouldn't start Yengi, to be honest. I prefer to play him centre-forward. So either if Bish is substituted or if Sadie doesn't do it and you bring on Yengi to play further forward, I think. And in but, terms of Gavin White's underlying numbers, I've just checked them. They're all in the league. He's averaged 0.22 expected assists per 90 with 1.13 in total. And for expected goals, it's 0.14 per 90 with 0.73 in total. So he should have at least set up a goal already, purely just on that. And some some of the crosses he's putting in has been okay. He's averaging 40% on that, which is above average. I think he'll come good. I'm, I'm more positive about him coming good than Anthony Scully at this point, if I had to compare the two. Yeah, I'm the same. So just to wrap this up, we're going to play Colby Bishop up front. I think that's fair enough. We'll just I'm just going to move past that point, unless anyone has some sort of wacko theory on who they want to start. I think my summary for this is that I don't think there's got to be a huge personnel changes from a low block team to a team we're playing away, apart from at fullback. For me, at fullback, potentially in the centre midfield, that's where we can look at playing some different players. For me, it's more about the deployment of players and how we play. You know, I want us to play high up the pitch. I want the front three to be a bit more narrow and then, then the wing backs to get forward or the full backs to get forward and provide that width, provide more players going forward, more runs through the middle from midfield and just commit more men forward, create more gaps. I don't think 
is necessarily needs to be a huge personnel change this day. It just needs to be how we deploy those players and making sure we've got that width and pace and players to take people on a fullback position. Anyone want to say anything else before I go on to the next question? Um, at what point do you think about Kobe Moto, Moto even? I think he what needs to he... come off the bench and play a bit and then he's still a young kid, isn't he? He needs to get just, at the same time. Yeah, I just wanted to throw him into the conversation. I think he scored in that comeback against Gosport, right? And uh, two assists, one assist, I think, in that game. So clearly in form, in form drop Colby Bishop, bring in a 17-year-old up top. What could go wrong? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> right, it's fall been... in love. That's a strong <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. Jack mentioned it, and he says, "Who would you have? How, who would you part with Pack against Derby, and why?" Okay, are we going to go? Are we going to get creative here and play Robertson in that position against Derby? I think so. I do. I think you bring in Alex Robertson to play in that position. Derby obviously are a good team. They play five in the midfield. However, I just think Robertson will allow us to have that bit more ball possession, a little bit more pass and move. I know what Andy says about him playing forever at the pitch and utilising his sort of attacking talents there. However, I sort of think that with Morel, he sort of keeps the ball ticking over. There is an argument to play to play Stevenson there as well to help do that. But I feel like it might be a little bit flat if we do that against Derby. What do you think here, Fred? Uh, no, Robert Robertson was my pick. As much as I like liked Ben Stevenson in little bits that he's played, I think he is definitely the player to... Come in that more def- come on in that more defensive role when Pack isn't fit. I think that's why he brought him in because he's very solid when he's on the ball and he's very good at picking a pass and he's defensively capable. But he's not going to drive play as much as Robertson can. And I think even though Derby are a very good side and they're going to overload the midfield a bit, I think you need a creative player to drive play a little bit and create space and opportunities for others. And I think Robertson does that. And then you play Sadie and Cam as well. And then the two can basically swap between each other. Probably SW messaged in. He asked the same questions. We'll skip that. But the second part of his question wants to know what's the best pub to go to before the game at Derby. He doesn't fancy the Harvester again. Not surprised. Harvester is fucking shit to me. I just generally, as an establishment, you know, salad bars that have been out for five days and just going bad and shitty dressings and naff food. That's just my opinion on Harvester. Sorry if anyone works there. He's listening to the podcast. It's not personal. I'm just not a fan. Um, as far as pubs to go to before the game, me and Freddie actually stayed up in Nottingham and there's loads of good pubs to go in Nottingham rather than in Derby. There is one pub I've been to in Derby. I'll have to look it up. I'll message you, mate, if I find it. It's quite near the station, actually. I don't know. It's an away pub. It plays sort of like lots of live music. It's quite small. It's quite local. So... I'll have to look that up and see if you can go there as a Pompey fan. There's not really many pubs around there. And does anyone want to step in and say? Uh, what I've got written down are the Navigation Inn or the Brunswick. But I mean, we're probably just going to go to the Harvester, I think. just It is absolutely horrendous, but it's also it's going to be full of Pompey fans. So I can, I mean, I'm used to some pretty, pretty divey pubs uh, around, around here. So I have no issue with, with going to a dive for a couple of hours. Fred, what was that pub call we went to in Nottingham that turned into like a disco club later on? That was a oh god, um, <laughs> oh, there's just to be coming. It was a sports bar, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh god, I can't in remember the centre of Nottingham. Of it. I check it up. Look it up for us. I don't even know what street it was on. To be fair, just Google sports bars. You managed to get an Uber there, so it'll be in your Uber receipts. 
yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. That was a that was a wicked place to be fair. It was, and it was three pints for like six quid when we were there. Proper prices. Yeah, exactly. Sean messaged and says, which players currently in the starting 11 are not there come the end of the season as we romp to promotion? Just paraphrasing what Andy said about being 15 points clear then. I like that. But is there anyone you feel are going to drop off? It's pretty hard to tell, isn't it? Who are we going to throw under the bus here, Andy? I'm not doing that. I mean, I'm just thinking if we're romping to promotion by 15 points, why are we dropping any of them? If they're doing that, then you're keeping that first team the same as much as possible. I think... the. I don't want to throw anyone under a bus. I think, logically, in my head, the player most likely to see less game time or the players most likely to see less game time, I think Gavin White is potentially not going to get as much game time throughout the season, not necessarily through performances, but because I think we've got more options in that area when everyone's fit. I mean, the same, I guess, for for, for Kamara on the left-hand side. It doesn't mean that I think they're going to have bad seasons. I just think it's the most physically demanding position on the pitch for me being a winger that's tracking back ergo you get more rotation I'll go with that I think that's a I'm getting splinters from the fence I don't think any of them are going to fall apart over the course of a season I don't think we're going to get any sort of Drew Talbot meltdowns over the next few months I would hope Freddie could go based on age couldn't you and fitness records but that that's the only thing I can think of so squad depth potential sort of like wear and tear over a season number of red cards yeah i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna go on the joe morrell rant again andy i think we can of course you go of course you bring him up i wasn't i wasn't implying that at all don't know why you've inferred joe morrell from what i was saying unbelievable you know why andy you know why (laughs) josh lish messed and says what are your thoughts about league one now you have seen a few games anyone impressed and any surprises good or bad does he mean now we've seen a few games this season or a few games overall? Because we've been in this league for long enough. We have definitely seen a few games in League One. I've got a few a few ones I can mention. Go for it. You you take the lead on this one. Impressive. Surprisingly impressive. I'm going to go with Cambridge. They've got quite a good settled um, 11. I've seen that they've got some players, including Michael Morrison, who have played every single minute for them so far this season. Pompey legend Michael Morrison. Uh, the six games, four wins, four clean sheets. That is a team that I did not expect to be doing so well as they are now. Obviously, Michael Morrison, rock at the back. He's got them sorted under Mark Bonner, who I do rate as a manager, but I feel like they are in sixth place, currently punching. But at the same time, I have been pretty impressed with their start to the season. Yeah, I think, I don't know if I put them in the, I don't think I put them in the playoffs. I think on our season preview, I said that I thought they'd have quite a good season. I believe, because I think one of you said they'd be in the relegation zone at the end of the year, and I can't remember who. Absolutely not. We did not do that. This is just slander from you. No chance you said that. I have no interest in going, well, no, no interest. I'm no motivation to go back and listen. But yeah, they. Um, I watched their game against Reading that was on Sky the other week, and they looked pretty good. And obviously nice to see Michael Morrison leading the line so effectively, and nice to see them pick up three points. But it was a pretty well-deserved three points. They created some good chances in that game. I think the obvious one you pull out is Stevenage, which again is one that we we didn't predict to the extent they'd be top of the table after seven games. But I think all of us said they were comfortably the most well-recruited and the strongest promoted side from League Two. And I think we had them sort of mid-table-ish. And uh, so it's not been a surprise, but 
it has been a surprise to see them do that well. There are some teams sort of slightly overachieving, you'd say, like Exeter, like Port Vale, but they're not teams that we predicted to be right near the bottom. I think more of my surprises have been, you know, teams like Charlton, who are, you know, lost four of the six games they've played, and Peterborough have been very hot and cold. And obviously, you know... I'm a bit surprised with how Oxford United have played really well. They look very assured in possession, don't they? I'm... I'm fairly confident that Hugh and I both put them in our playoffs. Yeah, I, I did. So I didn't see it. And um, to a certain extent, I'm surprised of how, how well they're actually playing. Because I looked at them, I didn't think they had a proper striker up front. I know they had some players who I like, like Cameron Brandigan, but I didn't think they'd put it together that mm. well. But it seems The like, Liam Manning effect. Yeah, it seems it. like Liam Manning's managed it a little bit. Some things aren't surprising. Fleetwood being in the relegation zone and Reading being a basket case, but there we are. Cheltenham as well. Apart from yeah. against us. Well, Red, Reading have had another three points deducted today as we record. Basket case of a club. But I mean, I'm probably slightly surprised that Carlisle have only lost three of their seven games. I've just pulled the table up to try and pull some very basic stats to support my points. Probably slightly surprised at Carlisle not being in the bottom, bottom few as we speak. But I don't think anyone's really blown my socks off yet. And I mean... With League One, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like you've got the standard teams in here who are going to play open football, attacking football, and try and tear you apart and give you opportunities. And there's going to be other teams that are going to put 11 men behind the ball when they come down to Fratton Park. And we could probably predict who's going to do what. So there haven't been really, in the games I've seen, like the full 90 minutes. So the majority either seeing them on iFollow or, or being there in person. Nothing has really surprised me a huge amount, I'd say. I thought Leighton Orient were going to be better when we played them. But uh, other than that, nothing has stunned me. The team who obviously stand out so far, I feel like, who haven't maybe even broke out to their maximum ability is Bolton. Uh, we all we all tipped them to come first or second, but for me, they are still the team to beat. You know, Dion Charles, Victor Adebayo, still both got four goals each. They lost 4-0 to Wigan, but they still got an XG, according to Optra, 3.98 during that game. They lead the league in time of the ball, 10-plus passing sequences. They are one of those teams that they got the highest XG in open play, Freddie. So Bolton are one of those teams that, for me, look like the team to beat this season. And I still feel like they've got more to come as well. So, And I think, actually, their expected goals against, yeah, they're third best with 3.16. So... Attacking-wise, looking good. Good in possession. Solid at the back. Two strikers there with four-plus goals. For me, Bolton are probably the most impressive team this season. Dean Preston messages in. He says, favourite Pompey goal you've seen in person, not on the telly? That's a difficult one. That's a good question. Andy? Okay, so for pure atmosphere... I'm not going to say the V word, but for pure atmosphere and going mental as it went in, I'm going to take the really easy way out straight away and go Jamal Lowe Wembley. Nice recent one to, to think about just because it was, it seemed like it was in the air for a very, very long time. Actually, I'm just going to pick recent goals here because my memory is so bad. And we went through a spell of about four years, five years, where I don't actually remember us scoring any goals, even though I went to most of the games, sort of 2009 through 14. I was a, a large proportion of the games and don't actually remember much of them. Outside of that Jamal Lowe one, I would go for pure surprise factor. 
opening day of the season, Ben Close against, I want to say, Tranmere. Was it Tranmere at home when he just pinged it top bins? Maybe 2020? Maybe? No, it can't be. T- Will we in the- I don't even know if we were allowed in in that point um, to, to watch games. But yeah, probably that one stands out. And Tom Naylor against Peterborough, mostly because it was the game, it was our first game back after lockdowns. And there were only 2,000 people in the ground in my block. I was fortunate enough that, that my block was chosen for that first game before things went absolutely mental again and we stopped being able to go to games again for a while. So I think just the overall, just how special it was, like just actually being back at the ground again, you realise how much you miss something when it's taken away and just the emotion of being back in the in the ground again. And then Tom Naylor hitting the ball, you know, one of the best hits he's probably ever made in his career. So I'm going to go a little bit different here. And it's not the best goal, but goal to go wild I was at. I'm going to go with the 2010 FA Cup semi-final against Spurs. Frederick Piquillon goal, where he just literally scuffs it in from a... It's sort of like a lofted ball into the box, basically. I can't remember if it was a free kick or... Yeah, it was, it was a free kick. Michael Dawson slipped over. Yeah, yeah. They, and they, he just... How I read that went on a massive row before and after the game saying how crap the pitch was. Yeah, then... exactly. That was absolutely amazing to see that goal go in. I think I was... Yeah, lots of injuries from celebrating that goal. Absolutely loved it. That's going to go down as one of the best goals of all life. Mm. I've actually potentially thrown in there our goal against Bournemouth in the FA Cup just for the excitement of it and the fact that we actually played really nice football for half an hour or so and it was just glorious against a, a very good Bournemouth team Alright Freddie what's yours? I think there's a slight distinction between best favourite goals I've seen live Yeah I've gone with favourite Yeah because I think, I think best goals I've seen live a lot of them were in games where well a lot of them games where Poppy were terrible actually um, well do you remember that one all that one all against uh, that draw against Ipswich that Marlon Pack free kick Last season, that was bended and hit the post in like the first five minutes. That was a cracking set piece, probably the one of the best set pieces I've seen a Pompey player do. Um, Gary Roberts outside of the boot goal, three 0 win against Carlisle is also up there away at Brunton Park. I love that finish because you just knew who's going to use the outside of his boot. That's not my favourite though. That's one of the best ones. Uh, Another best goal, Jed Wallace away against York City, where Pompey lost 4-2. My least favourite game of all time, but one of the best goals we've seen live, where he ran from the halfway line and scored. And I think this was was his first or second season in League Two. I can't remember which one. I was in sixth form and obviously I had to go to school afterwards. And obviously they really wanted to remind me that Portsmouth lost badly to York City. But no, my favourite favorite goal, it's a bit of a rogue one. I'm not sure how many people actually remember this one. It was away at Doncaster Rovers in the championship in 2012, where I think we were 3-1 down and came back to win Another four, game back, we came back came to, back to win 4-3. Mark attacks from just outside the penalty area. I've never seen limbs like it. That was one of the best atmospheres I've been at as well, that way. And the entire game, even though we were 3-0 down, I think, at one point, before the Greg, two Greg Holford penalties, where he just sauntered up to the penalty spot and passed it in the corner twice, and then kicked and scoring by elbowing the goalkeeper. 
Uh, I'm going to no, throw. I'll throw limb, two more the, the limbs for the Futax goal. Oh, I'll never forget that. I don't think. Two more really quick ones in purely in terms of like my response to the goal. First one again. They're both fairly recent. Actually, I don't know. I've I seem to have forgotten everything that happened before about 2018. I should probably look into why that's happening in my brain, but never mind. I'd go with Connor Chaplin. The, can't even. I have no idea who it was against. Ball came out to him wide, and he. First touched it over the defender and headed it over the keeper. Oh, that was against Wickham with Jamal Blackman and goal. That's an excellent goal. I don't know why how, that wasn't on my list. How do you not? Re- uh, sorry, how do you remember this stuff? I don't understand. Well, anyway, okay. I'll go with that, and then purely because of the overall experience of it being sort of minus five degrees, ha- having travelled on you know from Oxford to um, wherever the hell Gillingham is, East Anglia. Don't know, Kent. Kent, well, whatever, same thing. Um, well, there's complaints based off that, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, not the same thing. And that uh, Michael Jacobs, 90-whatever-it-was minute winner in that game where it was it was a 1-0 win, it was a scrappy game. Steve Evans was was giving it the entire game to to the Cowleys and just being a general arse. And, um, yeah, Jacobs stole it from a, a close, ang- a tight angle in the last minute of uh, of injury time away end stood in a freezing cold puddle where there was no hot food left behind the stand. There's no roof on the stand. It's like torrential rain and winds um, throughout the day. And it was, yeah, actually in my top three favourite limbs, I think. That's probably enough goals. This has made me feel good. I'm remembering the happy times. Now we need to talk about like favourite relegation just to really even it out. Freddie was gassed on Sambuca that time as well. And I lost my voice at the end of that game. If you remember recording some hits like quick hits of the podcast and uh yeah it was funny wasn't that the away game where i turned up hungover and you forced me to have tequila before the game that doesn't doesn't narrow it down that's that's a lot of away no that happened yes it was was we're in the sports bar in victoria before the game yeah one of my local haunts now for work so all right let's move on Stephen meshed in he says on a match day do either of you three have any superstitions slash routines you have to do besides drinking pints for example, when I get to the ground, I always have to shake Abdul's hand. He's the friendliest steward in the EFL. I don't really have any particular routines apart from get up early so I get on a train and get to the game in order to get to the brewery for 12 and get a beer in. However, there is one man who does have a routine, Freddie Webb, with his breakfasts. I mean, it's, it's any game he goes to first. He has, has to have a certain quality of carbs and meals. Like, you know, even before he went out after the Derby game, he, he had to go to the, the restaurant and get himself a um a calzone before you going You say out. had to get one. I had to have something. It, it's your carbohydrate count, though, mate. You have to have a certain amount of carbs, don't you? Why don't you tell the listeners about your breakfasts? Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, I don't know. I, don't, I think I've done this for most games. I always go for breakfast somewhere. And I usually go somewhere near my house. I think a couple of places I've been, Copner Kitchen and Copner's Good. North End Calf is all right uh, in North End. And those are the two main ones. I, I haven't got like a definitive breakfast place. I've just been, I go to different places. So I'll, I'll perhaps find my one place one day and that'll be my routine. Because the only, the only other thing that's vaguely in routine is you begging for a double vodka at the half time. But yeah, that doesn't count as drinking pints, I suppose. So that's all right. Andy, did you do anything particular in the morning of the game? Well, if I'm with Will, he's normally forcing gin in a tin down my throat at half eight in the morning. If I'm not with Will and I'm coming down on the train by myself, not a huge amount. 
when I lived in Winchester, I was sort of the most middle-class football fan ever. And I used to get a Marks and Spencer's meal deal for the train trip down as a bit of a, just a routine, uh, <laughs> which I really regret admitting as soon as it came out of my mouth. But I used to do that every every <laughs> Saturday with home games. But usually not too much till I get to Fratton. And it, it used to be Subway, just pretty much Subway, footlong steak and cheese, good luck charm. But nowadays... I mean, I guess the brewery is the obvious one, but in terms of good luck charms and just what I'm used to doing, I always listen to the same song. If I'm walking from Fratton Station down Goldsmith Avenue, um, I listen to Fade by Alan Walker, which is like a electro-ish version of um, Faded by whoever sings that. I've already sung once in the pod this week. I'm not going twice. I'm so close to just singing. I'm not going to do it. But it's sort of like... Do a- it. Do it's it. Not, it's not happening. I'm, I'm alcohol-free this week. It's not happening. Um, but yeah, it's a, a song called Fade by Alan Walker, which I recommend having a listen to if you're into sort of chill electric stuff. So yeah, that's my sort of three minutes and 20 seconds leaving Fratton, puts me in the mood for the football. And then, yeah, pre-match tradition is just trying to annoy Fred by not telling him that we've bought him shots and then putting them in front of him. That's it's not really a good luck tradition. I don't think we'd lose if we do that. I just really enjoy doing it. There was a run where I, where I was forced to have them and we kept winning. And then it eventually lost, obviously. That was great. What a time that was to be alive. No, it wasn't. I mean, I think it was around... I enjoyed the matches. I did did enjoy (laughs) pre-match. I think it was around 20... When was our 23-ish games without winning? 2012, was it-ish? I tried every pre-match ritual possible over those 23 games for all the home ones I went to, and nothing worked it turns out that wearing the same boxes or putting your socks on one way around or the other doesn't make up for having 16 year olds playing against fully grown men so i kind of lost lost faith in the whole traditions and superstitions of it but um, i don't really do the whole right sock on first thing for pompey i do it if i'm playing sport but not not if i'm watching thanks everyone missed in especially since there's no actual question so we appreciate you guys sending us in stuff to talk about Fred, do you want to lead us away with the news bits? We've got some bits about Messinio and his number 10 selection headache first. Yeah, sure. So he mentioned that Sadie impressing in a number 10 role, that was a big thing. But he also talked about Tino Andrew coming in and potentially being in, involved in the Derby game, it was mentioned, because he's got that ability, or at least in the advanced numbers we looked at and we did a deep dive on him on the extra where he's got that ability to drive play he's very physical very tall can pop up in the right place has got a very good strike of the ball on him so that's the selection headache if you bring Andrew in at 10 and that or you have Sadie or you even have Robertson you play Pack and Stevenson those are some things that were mentioned out there the first few mentioned by Messino in the in the news so that begs the question, who do you play at 10? I think you still play. I think you just go Sadie Robertson and bring Andrew on, largely because Andrew hasn't had much football recently, mainly due to a myriad of injuries uh, for Huddersfield last season. We spoke about the expand- we, the injury news in the wings. I'm not going to dwell on that, to be honest, because we've sort of already gone through that already. The expansion of the Pompey women. Michael Eisner is now expanding the role apparently of the Pompey women it would be nice if he also expanded the academy and put some money into that is my first thoughts 
Obviously, a pure forecast bingo card for you getting RC about the academy yeah, when any money, <laughs> any exactly. money goes into anywhere else in the club. Well, it could have gone into the academy a hundred percent. Please, yeah, we could have had an under twenty three side, but no, we we don't have that. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate. Exactly. I'm really pleased about this news. It's quite quite right. Good decision. Damn straight. More of this, please. Yeah, yeah. They said they, they said they've got a five year plan now. They obviously they've made the team semi pro. They've created a new company on Company's House where all the accounts will be in for Pompey Women and so on. And have purely and properly made them like a separate entity from the men's team. And that's not to say that, you know, they won't have any links to each other. But, you know, you can imagine that some women's teams, especially with the growth in the game now, can be like an afterthought and just attack on to the men's team. So it's good that obviously... Was it, um, was it Chairman Mao? Chairman Mao had a five-year plan, didn't he? That went well. When Earthy brought that up. When you say five-year plan, <laughs> A-level history just came flooding back into my head. I think it was Mal. Stalin, I think. They, to be fair, they might both have done. I'll have, I'll have a Google. This is well, something well, well, I did well, not expect a link to come up. Two, isn't there? But, but none of them have got linked to ports of women who, um, who are obviously getting that funding boost and that proper focus boost as well. So, yeah, I, I, I'm happy about it. And it's good that Michael Isaac is not just limiting himself to investment you know, focusing on one thing. He's spreading his wings a little bit, which is nice. In 1953, Chairman Mao launched China's first five-year plan, which was primarily based on keeping foreign imports to a minimum and rapidly increasing the outputs of heavy industry. Agricultural outputs were used to feed the urban population and support industrial growth. Steel was a core target of development. So basically the same as what the Eisners are planning with the women's team, but, you know, just in very metaphorical terms. Yeah, I yeah, don't think St- Stalin I don't did think have that. a five-year plan as well, so we were both right. His was industrialization place. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about football here, obviously. I'd quite like to talk about that. That sounds really fun. Oh, Stalin did it first. Stalin was in 28. Right, so that's I'm, before I'm going to he... get hold of this now as the host of Miverston. Although I do like <laughs> it. I did do my degree in international relations. So I could I could jump in here and carry it on, but I won't. Let's get into the topic of Derby County, boys. Let's start our beautiful preview of the game up there, which you're both going to and I'm not, which makes me very sad, generally. I think it's fair to say of Derby County that we thought they were going to be better than they have been. Their results have been pretty mixed. Obviously, they lost the other day to Bolton 2-1. I think Bolton are a good team. I know Derby had a red card, so then they were pretty annoyed about the situation, some of the goals, etc. However, I do still believe Bolton were the better team. They did get a good win away at Peterborough 4-2. That's not an easy thing to do, but... You know, losses again at home to Oxford, losses at home to Blackpool. The fans don't seem to be too happy with their performances. And under Paul Warren, I sort of expected a bit more of a a steady display from them. Obviously, they've got Sonny Bradley, who came in. He's not set the world alight, really, for Derby at the back there. I thought he'd probably come in and play a bit of a bigger role for them as well. They've got mine Waghorn up front, who has got... That is a big, big signing for them. I think I mentioned in the preview that I didn't really back Derby County to finish top spot. I put Bolton ahead of them because of the striker situation. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Waggon is, even though he's 33, he is a championship striker. He's excellent. Hold, well, he can hold the, hold the ball up on the turn. Got a lovely strike on him. Scored a hat trick in his second game against Peterborough. Excellent pickup on a three. Anyway. I do have a few concerns with his longevity to play throughout the season. You know, the last time he played proper amount of games of football was 2001, 2002. 27 games played, one goal. Before that, 20, 20, 21. 
32 games, five goals. So, yes, he's got the ability, but he hasn't done it for a long time, has he? So I'll be interested to see at 33 whether he can actually continue this scoring for them or whether it's going to be a bit of an early season flash in the pan for them. And then he sort of drops off. Connor Washington hasn't looked that great up front either. He does a lot of work for them, though, on the press and a sort of lot of running, etc., for me, Derby have been pretty underwhelming, but they have still got a lot of t- talent in the side. Obviously, everyone knows about Connor Hurraham, great player. He's managed to pick up two assists, I believe, and a couple of goals. Yet two goals, two assists for them. He's probably easy the best player in the centre of midfield. It's going to be up to us, really, to try and get hold of the ball in the middle of the pitch, where they play five in the middle, usually, three, five, two, and try and control the game. And did you feel it's going to be a bit different this game? to the last time we went up to Derby and played them. Obviously came away with a draw. Derby were on top of the game for a lot of it, really. Obviously, we got those goals. Do you think that, sorry, the goal, do you think that this is going to be different and we can go up there now and beat Derby at their place? Sincerely hope so, because it's a bloody long way for Fred to go from Portsmouth if we don't. Uh, yeah, I think your your comment on Sonny Bradley, it sounds like he's had a bit of a horror start to the season and he didn't even start their last game against Bolton who didn't even make the first 11 and it, it's been something that they have actually spoken about on their podcasts uh, and the Derby County fan podcast is why he's been so bang out of form and all I've seen from Northern Ireland football Twitter over the last week or two is you know slating Connor Washington for his performances for Northern Ireland uh, particularly in the last couple of games so those some of those big names just aren't aren't in form and I just think that there's there's potentially that defensive frailty because, as you say, Sonny Bradley is meant to be that big defensive sort of talisman who has just been so out of nick he didn't even start the last game. So you're also looking at their goalkeeper, Joe Wildsmith, who was sent off in the last game against Bolton, so is obviously suspended. And that meant that Josh Vickers had to come in and he's not had a huge amount of game time recently. So last season played a grand total of five games for Rotherham in uh, only th- only three in the league, three in the championship with them coming back down. So it's not a keeper coming into the starting eleven who's got a huge amount of game time recently. And even in the season before that, played a total of 20 games in League One, so less than half of their league games. So you're looking at someone who's played 23 league games in the last two years. So it's not someone who's been, you know, week in, week out, used to that kind of pressure. So there are windows there of potential fragility or frailty that if we line up and, and perform, there there are opportunities to exploit there, maybe more so than I would have predicted at the start of the season and maybe more so than that game you just referred to uh, from, from the draw last year. Yeah, absolutely. They haven't got Scum and Goldrich, obviously. He's now not in the side as well. He was very tricky player and looked good against us again. Quite unlucky not to score actually a few times in that game. So Fred, you were at the game with me, stood there with me, you, Pepe and a few other people. What did you feel about this? Are you more positive going into this game than you were last season? I think I feel quite similar to be honest because although I know that Derby haven't had the best of starts, but sometimes you just look at their team and think they have options that that in specific moments can be a massive threat so I know we've taken up France if Martin Wagon doesn't come on it doesn't perform that well they've got James Collins on the bench who in the right situation very technical player can easily score a goal even though he hasn't lived up to his billing 
previously, like he, when he played for Luton, scored all those goals. They got other players. Joe Ward looked very, he, he's a technical player, very creative. They got Elliot Embleton from Sunderland as well, who impressed in that division. There's just, there's just so many options they have. And I think that three at the back that they play can easily turn into a five at the back if they get a goal early and they can cement the game and impose themselves quite well. If they take an advantage early, they could lock it down purely by number of bodies rather than, you know, personnel at this point. And Paul wants a good bit. Paul wants a good manager. I know, I know Derby fans might be happy with the tactics at the moment, but on paper, it's a very solid side. It would be very difficult to beat them at their place. I think. I think this is a case of at the end of the season, they are going to be there or thereabouts. I don't think there's too much doubt of that over the course of 46 games. They are going to rise up the table slightly from where they are now. At least you're expecting them to be in the playoffs as a minimum at the end of the season, or I am at least. But with the slow start and those potential potential frailties, this might, and I'm going to regret saying this, this might actually be a half-decent time to play them away from home. So you, you want to get those really difficult games out of the way at the most optimal time in the season. And there's no time when going to Pride Park is going to be an easy game. That's never happening. But this is probably the best time I'd imagine for us to be going away to Pride Park. So I think the opportunity is there to to pick up a three points that come the end of the season could be really, really important. Hopefully, because we'll be there too at the top of the table, obviously. Curtis Nelson versus Colby Bishop at the back. I expect that to be quite a battle. Curtis Nelson likes to sort of get a bit physical. Do you think that's someone who could potentially be up to a problem for Colby Bishop? Potentially. We've seen it in some other games where, you know, defenders double mark him out of games. That was a big thing in the Stevenage game with Carl Piagiani at the back. But he just got to, but he's also proven in other circumstances that it doesn't matter if a defender manhandles him all day, he still gets his chance and he scores like against Peterborough. So it's not a gimme that someone man marks him out of the game. It will just have to wait and see. But with the five at the back, there has to be enough support around him. And I think playing Sadie at 10 will definitely help that, I think. Same here. All right, boys. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Andy Mitchell, oh, your score prediction, please. The game against Derby and any goal scorers. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a Portsmouth 2-0 win. How could you possibly think anything else? Goal scorers-wise... It's very difficult to predict goal scorers without naming Colby Bishop as one of them. So I'll put him in there for one. And I'll go for Sadie as well. I think he's going to start, which will mean, hopefully, with the system that we know works with Sadie and, and Bishop up front, Bishop won't be isolated. So I'm hoping for some nice interplay between them. So yeah, I'll go Sadie and Bishop, one each. Pompey 2-0 win. Do we even need to play the game? It's such an easy prediction this week. Freddie Webb, what are you saying? Tough one. I think it's going to be a repeat of last season. I'm going to go one or draw. Bish, Bish will get his goal. Martin Wagon on the other side, and it will be a very well-earned point because I don't think a point at Pride Park is bad at all. I'm going to go 2-1 Pompey. I'm going to go with Bishop getting a goal at the start. Big surprise. I'm going to go with... A Mendes Lang equaliser. I forgot they had him, to be honest, for to a certain degree. Yeah. I recently learned that he's a Guatemalan international. 
Five caps, apparently. So that's a little, little something extra. Well done, Mendes Lang. I, I think that's a good achievement. And I think we're going to come back and Kamara's going to score a goal with 10 minutes to go to make it 2 on Pompey. You guys are going to go wild. Harvester's going to get absolutely trashed with Pompey fans celebrating. Bring the points home. 2-1 Pompey. Just before we go, boys, there's one last question that was put out to us, which came through whilst we were recording. Matt Taylor wants to know, can you play Robertson and Andurin at the same time? I think the only way you do that is you play Robertson next to Pack and Andurin ahead of him instead of Sadie. Does anyone disagree with that? No, I think that's the right way to do it because of um, when Andurin played for Huddersfield, he got a lot of joy when he was played in a more advanced role and it fits the style of player he is. So no, I definitely see Andurin playing in that 10 spot. Yeah, I would. I'd agree with that. I think that's the only way. What you described there, Hugh, is the only way you can really fit them into the same lineup. Uh, just before we go, Hugh, uh, in the absence of Freddie's wonderfully organised weekly Guess the XG competition, which provides us all with so much joy and happiness and is one of the highlights of my my weekly routine that I I lose sleep over with excitement. With the absence of that this week, we have got a slightly different quiz for you two because I'm sick of being put on the spot. So we've got a, a little quiz to hopefully put Freddie on the spot a little bit more, but also Hugh, you as well. So we've got a some some ex-Portsmouth footballers from fairly recent years, all within the last decade, who are still playing. And I would like you to tell me where you think they have ended up or where you know they've ended up. Uh, disclaimer, if there are any factual 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 inaccuracies in this i genuinely could not care less um so i'm gonna say don't at me um if i'm if i'm wrong on any of these i just don't care i'm gonna forgotten this happened as soon as it's over but um at mitchellmore definitely yeah yeah do at mitchellmore on twitter i have no (laughs) idea who that is but i'm sure he'd be thrilled to hear everyone's critiques of the game show it hasn't even got a theme tune it's not even got a silly voice Um, but we will start with. I'm gonna have to bloody score, aren't I? Um, so you've got five each, and there are two. There's a um, sort of sudden death if needs be. So, being the height of professionalism, I'm gonna write Hugh and Freddie on my phone. Um, Andy, what's the name of this game, please? To be calculated during the edit, I believe is the name of the. You actually want me to dub that into it? Right, Bunce, we'll start with you. So, um, your first player is someone who actually scored last week. Uh, pod favourite, Sean Williams. So last time, I, I believe he played at Gillingham. Is that is that is he still there? That is correct. He scored a very late winner last week against, I can't remember who, and uh, their manager started doing the yays at the the crowd after seven games into the season, but that's a different rant for a different day. So they start on the easier side. Freddie, your first starter for, well, one, is Adam Webster. He still plays for Brighton, doesn't he? He does. Having previously played for Bristol City and Ipswich. I mean, you don't get bonus points for sucking up, Freddie. That's That's a zero. So, I mean, maybe people are playing along at home. You do get bonus points if you can name previous clubs. Freddie doesn't. Hugh, 
It's one all after one each. Jed Wallace. Plays West Brom, doesn't he? He does indeed. Well done. After previously playing for Millwall. You can have a bonus point for that. <laughs> <laughs> Favoritism. Uh, absolutely. No, um, no, no bonus points. Freddie, another pod favourite. Bryn Morris. Oh, God. Um... Is it Grimsby Town? He's played for. He has played for Grimsby Town. He left on the 9th of May. Well, oh. actually, he left He left on the 30th of June. They announced it on the 9th of May. Hugh, for the steal, would you like to... I just, I just invented I didn't think there was going to be a steal, but let's integrate it. Hugh, for the steal. He's a Newport County player. He is a Newport... How did you know that? I listened to a League Two podcast. Good work. He is at Newport County. He has um, played a grand total of five games in uh, in League Two. Okay, this is going to make me confused who just went. Um, so Freddie just went. So Hugh, you're 3-1 up. Your player is Kieran Freeman. I actually don't know the answer to this question. So this is going well. to make it a bit more interesting. Swindon Town? No, he was at Swindon before Pompey. Ugh. Freddie, I hope I've got no screen sharing going on, so either of you could be cheating. I, I like to think you wouldn't care enough. But no, Freddie, Freddie looks like he's literally Googling right now. But... <laughs> he just he looks so <laughs> ambitious. I'm not, I'm not. He started breaking sweat when you said that. No, he literally no, mopped his I've brow. I've got my usual Zoom, Zoom meeting on one side of the laptop screen, Word document prep on the other, which doesn't have Kieran Freeman on it. Has his Excel sheet of all Pompey X players and no, all their clubs no. after leaving. That's it, and they're expected goals <laughs> ratios. <laughs> I'm surprised. To keep, seriously, was Kieran Freeman actually picked up by a club after he left Pompey? According to the very reputable source that is Wikipedia, he was indeed. What? Oh, God. Um, and has played one time for them, at least. Oh, brilliant. Okay. I have no idea. I thought I thought he was still on a free. So let's pick a random League Two team, I suppose. He travelled from Nottingham, so let's pick one nearby. He, it, it, let's say he played for Mansfield, I guess. He plays for Oldham Athletic. Oh, close enough. <laughs> and I just Googled their squad, and he is listed on their website. Wikipedia is reputable once more. Okay, no points there. So we move on to Freddie. Again, hopefully a a more gettable one, maybe. Tom Naylor. Tom Naylor. Oh. Yeah, he's gone back to Chestfield, poor Cook, hasn't he? Because he was has. at Mansfield beforehand. Good work. That is a point to Freddie. The scores on the doors are currently 3-2 to Hugh. Um, and it is Hugh's turn. A chance to extend to 4-2. Hugh, where is Jamal Lowe now? This is really funny because I, I actually can't remember. So, he's gone to play in the championship. I really can't remember. Huddersfield? Incorrect. He is actually at Swansea City. I love that. Didn't give say, a chance he didn't give you a chance to steal. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, well, sorry about that, Fred. Horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous <laughs> behaviour. <laughs> don't where, don't where, claim that, like you knew that. Favoritism. Not, don't not claim like you knew that, Fred. Fred, hand on heart, did you know that? 
I genuinely did, yeah. <laughs> okay, in which case, Fred, we'll give you, oh, I don't know, some sort of... Just pick another. Just give me another explanation. Tell you what, Freddie, I will give you a borderline impossible one to make up for the for my uh, my error there. Roman Padovani. Oh, I've only God. got a club listed for 2022. <laughs> oh, but if what, you get what, it, to be honest, Fred, we'll have this as a golden goal. If you get this, I won't even bother with the rest of the quiz, and I'm sure Hugh would agree. You can just take the take the match ball. Place for some random team in like the French fourth division or something, probably. It's in um, France, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know French third or fourth division. No, I've no idea. He's not playing for like Brest or somebody. They're too high. So I'm going to go Montpellier. Let's just go. He's gone big things now. He's now their best midfielder. No, he played. I I should have picked a player who played for a team that I could pronounce. That's my first mistake here. <laughs> um, I'm going to spell the first bit. You, you're not up with this game show, like I is. Ah, uh, bite me. It's Q U E V I L L Y. It's a French club. And then it's Ruin, which I only know about Ruin because I love a history thing. The Allies went through there just after D Day. And I think it's mentioned in both Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan. That's the only reason I've heard of the place. But I don't know what the quiv. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to offend any French listeners we might have. So that's, that's now gone. Close that tab. How many more? Um players we got left Andy um you had five each it's a penalty shootout so you're currently yeah. three two up um so next up who's goes first this time Freddie right because I didn't yeah. offer him the one you got wrong yeah. with you that's correct so Freddie you've got James Bolton is he still at Plymouth I can't remember that's the only thing that's coming to my head I'm going to say he's still at Plymouth but I bet he's moved on by now he left Plymouth and signed for St Mirren in July. He also didn't get a oh, chance crap. to steal. Well, that evens it out. There you go. You had one ch- one each. I'm not very good at this. This is tough. Tough gig. Okay, right. You've got two more left each. Hugh is currently one ahead. Um, so, oh, Hugh. Two ahead. It's 3-2. What two has Freddie got? Oh, I've closed the tabs. I don't bloody know. I've been writing down marks. <laughs> He's got three, one two. player right. It's 3-1. It's it's not, it's a, well, mine was Tom Nader, Adam Webster, my two. There we go. Three, two. Um, Hugh, Dion Donoghue. Oh, I don't know the answer to this question. I'm going to throw it out there. I think he plays with Dover Athletic. He does not. Um, Freddie, I'm going to remember to throw it over to you. So he actually has a club at the moment. According to... Wrong start. <laughs> Wikipedia. Because, again, I thought he was on a free completely. Because I thought he would have retired. He had quit football at the age of 27 and moved home. And that's for, for really quite tragic reasons that I'm not going to talk about yeah, on exactly, the pod. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember the articles about it. Yeah. Um, so he then... Um, yeah. Who was the last team he played for? Really? He might actually not have come back. Now I've, no, I've read this properly. Um, but who was the last team he played for then, Freddie? Oh, God, I generally don't remember. Um, There's a castle there. Rochester. <laughs> yeah, Rochester, famous <laughs> League 2 powerhouses. <laughs> to be fair, this isn't a football league team. No, I, I generally can't remember, so I'm going to pass that one. You've already guessed that, haven't you? Who you say? Uh, it is Carnarvon Town. Oh, 
I think there was a battle of Carnarvon, and there was definitely a Carnarvon castle that I've been to in, in Wales. It's very pretty there. Anyway, to get to a more relevant part of the pod, Freddie, Kyle Bennett. Oh, God. Uh, he played for AFC Telford, but I can't remember if that was his last team. I think he moved on. He has had three Telford. teams, Freddie. Three teams since Telford. Three teams since Telford? Was one of them Stafford Rangers? No. No. Right. Does that count as your guess? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Because I, I I forgot who he went to after to AFC Telford. To be honest, they're not known teams. So if you can name any of the three teams he's played for, I'd give you a point. Non-league teams. Is it non-league team, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of non-league teams. Bath? Incorrect. You could have had... Hednesford Town, where he made 45 appearances. Stratford Town, where he made 16 appearances and is currently at Shifnal Town, which I've never heard of. Hmm. That's quite a fall, isn't it, from um, Pompey and Bristol Rovers. It's a real quick fall down the leagues, unfortunately, for him. Um, Okay, one more each, and you are currently still 3-2. And I would imagine... Oh, I don't know if you'll get either of these. Who is Hughes-Go, right? Yes, I've lost track completely. Yes, Hughes-Go. Um, I nearly read the team out. Uh, Hugh, Mark McNulty. I've got no idea. Do you want to have a guess? Name a world football team. It's outside of England. I'm going to say he plays with Shamrock Rovers. Incorrect. Freddie? God, I saw him play in Scotland at one point. Here we go, Scottish legend. But I can't remember. But I can't remember. There's no way he's still there. I swear he played for Dundee United, but that's definitely not his team that he's currently playing for. He played for Dundee United twice, but he has moved somewhere since then. Yeah, I thought as much. I don't think he's played for Livingston. Oh, Are you going with the Scottish team, Fred? I think he must be still in Scotland. Oh, okay, then let's not waste let's not waste the listeners' yeah. time. He is not in Scotland. He Where has moved he to Orange County and is playing in the second division in America. Well, there we are. Um, what a move that is! I know. I've so seen the, the OC. Yeah. I'd love to move out there. Marissa was like one of my first big crushes in life. Marissa on the OC. This is the content listeners. That's all I've. That's all I've got. I've never been to Orange Brilliant. County, so uh, that's what I've got for it. I can okay, get on board with so, that. Freddie, you need this to tie up at three all, and I've accidentally done my tiebreaker, so I don't have a tiebreaker, so I am rooting against you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your final question is, Ricky Holmes. Is he still playing? <laughs> uh, I've got... Uh, uh, he left his last club on the 2nd of July, 2023. Oh, well, he was a... <laughs> He on the second of July, twenty twenty three. He signed for a club where he would also become assistant manager. He departed the club nine days later. Oh, brilliant! Becoming okay. the third of their signings to reverse his decision and leave the club. Fuck it, now. Right, and then he, he returned to the club that he'd left to go to Dover. God, what? We said Dover. Oh, right. So it- he was at a club. He went to Dover for nine days, changed his mind, and went back. Okay, right. I haven't got a clue. Um, let's just go with Southern-ish non-league team. Was it Woking? It's not Woking. I genuinely thought you were going to get it then. Uh, it's not Woking. Hugh? 
You won, but do you want to seal it with a 4-2 win? Hmm. I'm going to go with Dorking Wanderers. Incorrect. There's an air show. There's an air... Biggin air Hill. There. Hey? Biggin Hill. The famous Biggin Hill FC. I've actually yeah. been to Biggin Hill Air Show. Um, yeah. Not, no, it's, it's Farnborough. Ah. Oh. oh, I'm so sad that's over. I can tell how successful that was. <laughs> well done, Andy. That was great. I, I actually really like that game. Okay, well, let's not just let's, not just because I won three one, three two, three two. You won that one. I know. Um, we won't quite make it a weekly thing. Maybe we can make that a monthly thing or a annual thing or whenever I can face it. So probably less than an annual thing. But yeah, in the absence of a guess, the XG. Hopefully, people listening got some of those right, and um, all those people. You know, when we post um, stories of of any person who's left Portsmouth, and you get the social media comments of. You're a Portsmouth page. They don't play for Portsmouth anymore. Why are you posting links about them getting called up for England? Um, they would have really enjoyed that segment. So I'm, I'm very happy to contribute, you know? Yeah, Freddie, could you just write this bit of the art of the uh, podcast up and you can send it to the sports desk for very... Oh, yeah, where are they now? <laughs> Sorted. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, there's definitely been a photo gallery of that done by somebody. Um, probably somebody centrally because they centralise a lot of sports. And it's well, I've just done your research for you, Freddie. So... I mean, call it research. I use Wikipedia and Transfer Market. It's not the most advanced. It's not quite, you know, academically peer-reviewed, but maybe some citation needed on some of those. My boys, have we got anything to say? I'm going to shut this down so I can go and edit it. Why would you want to shut this down? We're having so much fun. (laughs) If you manage to make it this far in the podcast, we love you. Thank you. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple or whatever. It helps us out. Just trying to make it sound like the end of the podcast. But until next time, play out Pompey. Not going to say goodbye. Oh, Andy, it's been great having you on the podcast. Quizmaster Mitchamore. Had a lovely time. Enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> uh, fun. Freddie, mate, always great. Oh, always a pleasure, Hugh. Thank you. I've got to hopefully enjoy Derby County. And yeah, I need to brush up on my ex-Pompey player destinations. We'll do, I'll do that. I'll be honest, I thought you were going to absolutely batter me at this because you've got like the sort of like Rain Man style memory whilst I'm sort of hazy, should we say, generally. I, mean, I, I believe I had harder questions, but there we are. That's oh, fine. there we go. You oh. had the chance to steal my ones as well and you didn't, so suck it. <laughs> and until next time, <laughs> play up, Bumpy. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!